0: little review of just where we've been over this last few weeks. Uh, this is the last one of me. Uh, some of you will be really pleased to know um, uh, as we've just been looking at what it means to be community together. And we started off by saying there are five communities here that meet to worship God. And it's, uh, it's come out of this idea that That, you know, service is a little bit of a cranky word. It's filled with kind of duty. But instead, we want to try and find a way of talking about communities, communities gathered around Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth and the life. And then two weeks ago we talked about being communities of faith and we looked at that wonderful story of the man healed at the gate called Beautiful. And the encouragement that actually God will do amazing things through you as you do the ordinary things. As you do the ordinary things of following him He will do extraordinary things through you. And then last week, we were thinking about being a community on mission, about the importance of discipleship. But also, the key thing was that this is not all about one or two people up the front, but this is about all of us, the priesthood of all believers. Now, because I'm talking about generosity this morning uh it might be that some of you are kind of coming and you're feeling like your wallet's are burning he's going to ask us for more money well, i'm going to mention that at the end really brief i mean it's like real brief but you you might kind of be feeling about it or thinking mark you know honestly i'm already flat out i can't do any more i'm knackered i'm feeling like that grumpy teenager every time you ask me to do something i'm like oh kind of groan inside you know if that's you okay Don't worry, you're in the right place because this talk is for you, okay? Because I want to encourage you and I want to bring you right back to the heart of what it is that we are doing as a family. So before we kind of get into the generosity stuff, let me give you a little bit of a framework and it's the it's how the New Testament, how Jesus and the New Testament writers talk about love. And it goes like this. You see, when Jesus is having this conversation with someone about the commandments and which is the greatest commandments, he comes back with this uh, with this answer about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So it's God, love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Some of you find that difficult. And then when Jesus uh, is spending time with his disciples before he's crucified, he says to them... A new commandment I give you, love one another. And of course the foundation for all of this is not that love is an effort, but that we love because He first loved us. For some of you, the first two on this list is kind of like, do you know what? I can do that. I can, I can work hard at loving God and I can, I can be intentional about loving my neighbor, but, but I can't do that for me. You know, I can't love me cause, cause you don't know what I've done, Mark. You, you don't know what goes on in this head. You don't know the stuff that I think. You know what? I, I don't. But I am also alive. Okay. I have a head too. And do you know what? God knows. And he still loves you. He still loves you. And the point is not that we work ourselves up into this great feat of loving others, but that we allow ourselves to receive the fact that He loves us. We love because He first loved us. So folks, if you're struggling to love yourself, if you've got that kind of dialogue that's going round and round and round, like that, like that train in that Disney film, you know, that train just keeps on going around with, with negative words. If that's kind of going on with you, you know, you can't you can't fight that and defeat that. What you need to do is get your eyes back on Jesus. Realize how much He loves you and that will change you from the inside out. And then you can love Him back. Then you can love your neighbor. Then you can love yourself. And we are actually supposed to love one another as well. You know, church family, church community, that little bit in the passage from, from last week where they go back to their own people. So let's dive into this uh, passage in Acts with, with that kind of framework of love in the background. The first uh, thing is this, is that they were of one heart and mind. You know what, we, we as a church family, we won't always agree on everything. But we are united. We are united in following the person of Jesus Christ. Of having our lives shaped by him. You know, how amazing that the king of all of the world, the almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth, wants to shape us as a church family. Isn't that amazing? He wants to use you and me to transform the world. But the strange thing about being in a super connected world, in an always on world, is that what happens is we just get fed this stream of things that we like. I don't know whether you realize that's what happens, but we get fed this stream of things that we already like. And we end up kind of getting siloed in just into these little groups of, hey, everybody agrees with me. Isn't that amazing? Well, they don't all agree with you or with me, actually. And and that's all right. But the wonder of being a church family is that we are together following Jesus Christ, who is the head. So the thing about being a community of generosity where we're one heart of mind is that, you know what? Last week I said something, and I, and I want to just read something really briefly to you. Last week I said something that didn't fit with this. I was encouraging you to submit comments about the planning application, and I made an unscripted aside. It did not reflect the journey that we've been on as a family to get this, to this point. It was unintentional, but it was still the wrong thing to say. And I want to say sorry publicly for the pain that that may have caused some of you. And just sorry for saying it. Because you know we're supposed to be a community of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we'll always agree on everything. But it does mean that we are going places. It does mean that he is here. The source of all life and hope is here. And when we worship together as we've done this morning what we do is we gaze together upon him, the king of kings. And as we do that, he shapes us. He shows us how to live. We stop being the center of our own universe and he becomes the center. We gaze upon him. He shows us how to live. He's the one that unites us. He's the one that will lead us home. He's the first, the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. What an amazing thing to be a community of Jesus Christ. And the Christian community is different from anything else on the planet. You know, following Jesus means that we are united Across geography, across politics, across age, across race, across backgrounds. We're not united because of an ideology. We're united because of the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And is here now by the power of his Holy Spirit. Folks, when we make it about an ideology... What we do is we argue and we fight. But it's about gathering together around the person of Jesus. The next bit. No one claimed anything as his own. Um... You know the the Christian community is a wonderful community for sharing things. Sometimes we're not always, always always as good as we could be, and sometimes even the wider culture leads on this stuff. You know, we we live in this world where everything has got to be insured because I would hate to lose anything, and if I do lose it, I want cash back. You know, very occasionally Megan and I have had a, a new to us car. Uh, That basically means it's a second-hand car, but it's new to us. So it is shiny and polished and buffed, and I want to keep it that way. And I have no idea how the living God orchestrates even this. But somehow, I don't know whether you've experienced this as well, whenever we get a new-to-us car, then somehow someone close to us has need to borrow it. And I don't know about you, but everything in my human nature then screams, no, because I want to keep it shiny and you and you are not going anywhere near it because it is mine. But then the Holy Spirit kicks in, usually just a little bit after my scream of no. Um, and his answer is not no, but yes, yes, you will lend the car. Out of your own free will. Yes, Lord. Have you ever, any of you ever had one of those free will conversations with the Holy Spirit? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have complete freedom to disobey the living God if you would like. Okay, Lord. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And so you lend. Share this thing, this thing that is yours, but it was never yours. It's all his anyway. Let there be more sharing of stuff. Let us be more aware of those around us that have need. And I do mean those around us who have need in this community, as well as those in the wider community of Western and Bath. Because this passage is unashamedly about the Christian community learning how to live well together. But the next thing, and this is a key thing, is that they kept on being focused on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That early church was never very far away. From the truth of what they had seen and experienced. That Jesus was dead on the cross. He was put in the tomb in the cave. And he was raised from the dead and they'd seen him. We must not let go of this message. Sometimes we desire to connect with others. And we think that by softening the message about Jesus, that maybe we then won't offend them. And if we don't offend them, then they might come in and they might understand. Folks, we need to offend people an awful lot more. Because people are not as offended as we think that they will be. Just because of the fact we're followers of Jesus Christ. And if that offends them, well, that's okay. You know, the cross is offensive. The grace of the living God that he would love human beings so much that he would actually pay the price for them is an offensive message to the world. And we shouldn't try and make it more palatable and nice. You know, what we need to do is talk about him more. We need to try and find ways to make it normal. Imagine you're at a party and you kind of, you know, it's one of those bring and share things and there's some there's some schlur, so you probably avoid that. And you, and you, I don't know. You laugh, not me. <laughs> Uh, so you go for, you know, just check out someone else's bottle of wine, see what they bought. And then you get chatting to someone else and uh, and they and they talk about their stuff because you did the thing that we talked about last week. You know, how was the weekend? Uh, and, they, and they talk about how they're a Buddhist and how they're getting into kind of meditating and how it's been really helpful for them. That's not offensive. But how does it work if you turn around and say, oh, yeah, do you know what? I'm really into praying. And when I pray, what happens is I meet with the living God. And it's it's great because he's come in person. And and I've got to know that Jesus loves me. And he wants to love you too. Well, he does love you, you just don't know it yet. (laughs) You know, sometimes those words kind of don't come out so well. do they? And we need to find ways of expressing it. And and don't take that one as a model because I'm not sure that was any good. You know? Uh, have you heard Jay John? Because he is, he is great at this stuff. Here is J. John explaining, I hope, uh, what he, what he does for a day job.
1: Know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. <laughs> so I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport and I said, Hello. And she said, Well, hello. And I said, Where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, Where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well... (laughs) I work for a global enterprise. (laughs) She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. (laughs) She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said we do marriage work, we've got orphanages, we've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said basically we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioural alteration. She went was so loud, her wow, loads of people it. turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? <laughs> I said, it's called the church. <laughs> it, he,
0: he is just a master at that, isn't he? And I love the fact that his voice gets higher and higher and higher as he gets more and more excited. But, but, but notice, you know, he, he's, a, he's a full-on evangelist. Notice his question format to the other person. You know? Where are you going? Yeah? Because she then has to ask, where are you going? What do you do? Uh, Because she then has to ask, what do you do? Yeah? What did you do on the weekend? Oh, what did you do on the weekend? Yeah? Just remember that basic Englishness of co-questioning or whatever it's called. It's really helpful. But we need to find ways of continuing to talk about church, talk about community, and keeping on talking about Jesus Christ. Because, you know, if all people here is our niceness, they'll never get to meet Jesus. If we're just incredibly nice to people, I'm sorry, folks, that is not enough. People need to hear the words coming out of our mouth that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Here's the best bit though. The best bit in this passage. And God's grace. Was so powerfully. At work in them. That there was no needy persons. Amongst them. God's grace was so powerfully. At work amongst them. That there was no needy persons among them. You know, folks, if if you are if you're at that point where you have kind of compassion fatigue, where you're exhausted from doing stuff, where you're exhausted from helping out others, where you're exhausted from doing good, where you have become Kevin and Kevin and Perry, and you're kind of like, oh Lord, I have to help again. Yeah. You know, do I have to give more money? Oh, really? You know, if that's, if that's your heart, you know, do you know what? That's okay. That's human. What needs to happen is a revolution in your and my heart, because I get that too. It's not that you need to do more. It's not that you need to give more. You need to look more and receive more from the King. Allow him to fill you afresh with his grace. You see, the early church was not famed for helping the poor. The early church was famed for being so full of the King of Kings. So full of the Holy Spirit that they could not help but help the poor. That they could not help but love one another. That they could not help by opening their eyes and seeing the needs of those around them. You know, we can do this stuff by ourselves. We can do it without God. And it's exhausting. God's grace was so powerfully At work in them that there was no one who had any need. The end of Ephesians 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do. He is able to do it. Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work in us. Folks, this is why we need to keep on asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to keep on asking. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, not because we want a fuzzy experience, not because we want to fall on the floor, not because we want to pray in tongues, not because we want to have kind of the hairs on the back of our head for those of us that have any remaining kind of tingle. Although all that is lovely. But we want to meet with you so that you transform us from the inside out. The conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well says that you will have this well of life, this spring of water, from up inside out. So I pray for us as a community that we would be a community that overflows. We would overflow with the fullness of the living God. And unashamedly, so that we would care for one another. So that we would look to one another and see where the needs are and that we'd help out. And that if you've got a brand new shiny car, I pray that you would listen when the Holy Spirit asks you to lend it to someone. If that's what he does with you. Maybe it's just my thing. I've got work to do in here, you know. Or maybe the person, as it overflows even wider beyond the Christian community, maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your neighbor that's hungry. Maybe it's a single mum that is struggling with her kids. The first bit, the first bit of fulfilling that need is seeing. Seeing and then listening to how, how the Holy Spirit might want you to help. But unashamedly, it is about loving one another because as people see how we love one another, so they will know that we are his disciples. So, folks, let me come into land with this idea of overflow. One of the five habits that we have as, as part of the vision, the last one is to give or to live generously. Generously you know this is the, you know that's the bit where we talk about the money but it's not just about the money it's about a whole lifestyle of generosity about the overflow of all that god has given flowing out through us no longer living for ourselves but living with eyes open to see others to see those that are struggling to see those that are tired from serving who need to be scooped up and loved and blessed. You know, one of the things on this about giving is, is understanding that other people have the right idea too. You know what I mean by this? You know, sometimes we can, we can get so caught up in what we can see about how community life should be. We're kind of like, oh, this is it. Can't everyone else see this? If only everyone did this one thing, then everything would be fine. Do you know what? God's speaking to a whole bunch of other people like that as well. And He's showing them a whole bunch of other things. And part of opening our eyes to see Him is to see that He's doing that with others too. One heart and mind seeing Others generously sharing our stuff. And yes, also giving financially to the local church, not just sharing with one another. Because this place neither runs on thin air nor on government grants. Although if we can get some of those, that's also good too. Actually, it runs by God giving you stuff. And you sharing it here, whether that's financial resources. And there is a white giving box at the back. It's being hidden by a, you know, an amazing floral display of, of figs at the moment. But it is there. And we'd love you to give to the work in this place. If you haven't yet started to do that and, and you're struggling with the finance, can I encourage you, start small as an act of faith. Forget the whole 10% thing. You know, there's a sermon on the website. You can read, you can listen to about about that. Listen to what the Lord says. But it might be that you want to start with just a pound, a pound a month, and say, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to do this as an act of faith." Maybe it's serving on a team. But you know, those are just the outworkings. Those are just the actions. When actually, what I'm talking about is our heart attitude. What's going on right in here? So that it can overflow everywhere.